Cashflow Guys Podcast, Episode 31. Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Join Tyler and his team as they unlock the secrets to achieving financial independence through wealth building strategies inspired by Robert Kiyosaki and other thought provoking leaders. Learn to build leveraged streams of cash flow that land in your pocket and improve your quality of life. Gain access to cutting edge ideas that will increase your productivity and streamline your success. Find out how to supercharge your retirement plan so you won't have to retire with a pay cut. You can escape the rat race. Are you ready? It's time to learn to earn with Tyler Chef. It's that time again. We are back for another great episode of the Cashville Guys podcast. My name is Tyler Chef, and I'm your host. And today, I'm going to bring out one of my secret weapons on my team. Young man that does a lot of the work behind the scenes. Yeah, I don't talk about him as much as I probably should, but that's one of the reasons he's on the show today. He is the guy that's responsible, actually, for the, the Cashville Guys podcast. Besides me sitting in front of the microphone, uh, Christian McElwain is my nephew, and he is also the editor and does all the background and the studio work uh, for the podcast that brings that together. So Christian, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Tyler. Kind of weird to be on the front end of this. Yeah, it's a little different, isn't it? So yeah, I got all this, I bought all this, I went a little crazy when I started the podcast and we, we started this with a, a MacBook and that was before, I think we did our first episode without you and then realized that, well, we needed somebody a lot younger than us uh, doing it. So my next thing, my next phone call was to you, Christian, to get you involved because I know you did some studio work when you were younger um, and you had a little mini studio going on in your bedroom there. So I thought, well, let's get you involved. Now I got to let you know, I got to let you folks know, you know, it's kind of a funny origin story with Christian. He was obviously I've known him as most of his life. His mom is married to my brother-in-law and Christian was, he was quiet when he was younger and he was a little kid. He was in his room a lot and we just assumed he was in there on Xbox doing his thing, reading comic books or whatever. But Lo and behold, we found out that Christian had a little secret going on in that in that bedroom all hours of the day. What were you doing in there, Christian? Man, that secret was real estate. That's right. You were probably 15 years old, I believe, wasn't it? 15, 15, later 16, yep. yeah. 15 years old, folks. He's in his locked in his room trying to figure out how to make money in real estate. I remember about the time he was 15, I... I Caught him in there and trying to figure out how to amortize a mortgage back then to try to figure out how to get the house payments to work. So that sent a little light bulb off with me. He actually, I don't think you didn't realize at the time really what I did for a living, did you? No, I had no idea. Actually, at the time, back then, I was still on the ship. I would take my, my little hiatus from real estate. I was out on the ship get, making way too much money for the taxpayer's dollars. But I was still getting back into real estate and getting freshened up on my education to get back in the game again after the uh, housing crash and all that. But so it just seemed natural when we started the podcast and started the real estate investing Christian and get you involved. And now you've been working with, with, with us for about a year now, right? About a year. Yeah. Okay. So you were still a Christian was still in high school folks going to high school during the day. And then he'd work with us afternoons and evenings and weekends. He would come to open house with us and we'd go walk in hoarder houses and foreclosure properties and all that. So what do you think about that? I mean, what? tell me about the last year, what, how that's worked out for you. I know you've had a little bit of a culture shock going on there. 
Yeah, last year was a, was a uh, combining of opening up, opening up to a lot of different opportunities and uh, seeing a lot of stuff I've never seen before and, and learning a lot of stuff I've never learned before and learning stuff that actually applied to my life rather than high school because <laughs> I never learned how to balance a checkbook in high school. I got a PhD with you. Yeah, a public high school diploma, right? right. Fresh. And, yeah. and folks, I got to say, I'm pretty proud of him. So he graduated high school a couple weeks ago. And the following week, he was in real estate school, and he just got his Florida real estate license. So he is now a Florida right licensed realtor. Yes. Welcome to the bottom feeders. Oh, I appreciate it. <laughs> now you can be a scumbag like every other realtor. Now we're going to try to make sure you don't ever get those habits. But um, we'll make sure of that for sure. But, you know, what I found interesting is our family, our Blue-collar workers, pretty much, uh, working-class folks. We Nobody in our family is really extremely wealthy, but everybody for my whole life always had a, except for my father and my mom and dad, but outside of my mom and dad, everybody had a employee mentality very much so. They they went to work for uh, big companies like Ford Motor Company and things like that, Detroit, uh, worked at Detroit and GM and and all over the country, and or they're educators or things like that, and, and they're used to having a job. And Christian, you grew up in the same type of environment. Now, granted, your father was self-employed. He's a, he's a general contractor, and your stepdad's self-employed. He's got a security company. But the rest of the family, pretty much, they believe that they go to college, they get a good job, and then they that's what they do, and that's it. Right, and exactly. You basically decided that wasn't the lifestyle you wanted to live. Yeah, it, it didn't seem appealing to me. It didn't seem like, you know, I'd rather work hard for myself. Yeah, and you control your own destiny. Right. So what we did is Jill and I decided to bring Christian in. We offered up, you know, we offered to mentor any of the kids in the family that wanted to get involved in the, in the business, and nobody stepped up. My daughters, they were kind of like, "No, nah, we're going to go." I got one daughter wants to be a a, a psychologist. The other daughter is going to be a veterinarian. That's cool. They're doing what their dream is. But then Christian stepped up out of all the kids in in the family and decided he wanted to explore his career in real estate. So here he is now. Of course, what's kind of funny, Christian, I don't know if you noticed, but the rest of the family, all the other kids in the family are like, so what's Christian doing? <laughs> yeah, it's causing a stirrance. How come he makes a lot more money than we do? <laughs> you're one of the youngest in the family, and you're also, the, I think you're the highest paid by it without a shadow of a doubt. So, you know, good job for you. So I, I want to start with, I want you to tell the audience the first, the top three things. Now you've learned a lot and you've been through all, a lot of the training that I've gone through. We've been able to get, fortunately, Larry Harbold has taken you under his wing. He's kind of adopted you as his bastard grandson. Right. Calls you one of his piglets. <laughs> and uh, so you've, you've got to work closely with greats like Larry Harbold and uh, Jay and whatnot, uh, learning everything, all the, a lot of the different courses that I've done. And of course, I've, we've been, and I gotta tell you folks, we said, he goes home at night. It doesn't end there. He Then he grabs a book off the shelf. Every time I buy a new book, I got to hide it from him until I read it because when a new book, I've started buying stuff on Kindle just so I can get it before he can because when I buy a new book in print, if it comes paperback or hardcover, it, and I leave it laying around the office un, un, unguarded, Christian, you're taking off with it every time. Got to read, man. You got to read. I got to educate. That's right. And you're a big fan of Grant Cardone, so that's cool. We're gonna we'll probably make yeah. some arrangements this year. Maybe we'll go down to Miami and uh, pay a visit to Grant Cardone and let you have a go around with him and try to close Grant Cardone and see how that plays <laughs> out. But um, so I want to talk about the top three things that you've learned, not necessarily that I've taught you, but what you've learned by being out there in the field. You're doing the same stuff I am. You're out there writing offers. You're talking to clients, buyers, and sellers. You're working with investors. You're 
looking at, at flip properties and you're learning how to calculate ARV and you do a really good job at that. So what are some of the, the what's the top thing, number one thing that you've learned thus far? Yeah, no, number one, you, it's impossible to look good and learn at the same time. <laughs> I, have, <laughs> I have a story this morning that... Oh, yeah, tell that one. ...perfectly exemplifies that. I, I went on my first... I just got licensed. I went on my first uh, showing presentation this day, or today, this morning. A young girl looking for a mobile home. We found one in Zephyr Hills. It's a cute little home, a lot of land. And uh, she liked it, so we wrote the offer on the spot. And <laughs> 11 pages, as is contract. See, dirty, dirty realtor already. Oh, 11 yeah. pages. Yeah. Forgot to sign the last page. Yep. Everything was done, and we just forgot to sign it because I didn't take the time to look at it. <laughs> yeah, but you came away, you learned something. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I didn't yell at you, did I? No. I giggle snorted no. a little bit, and I may have peed a little, but that's a whole different story. Because <laughs> I got a kick out of that. But the good news is is that he knows that old Uncle Tyler's done that same mistake over and over and over again. I make the, I usually make the same mistakes twice. That way I make sure that I screw it up really good. But, you know, the, the bottom line is these mistakes are going to happen. You know, not a huge deal, but uh, you get out there. The only way you're going to learn is really by making those mistakes. I know I've taught you that since you started here is that you got to just get out there and, and fall, fail forward, fail fast, fail frequently. Right. And you did a good job of that today, so score for you. So what else have you learned so far? Yeah, an offer is, is just an invitation to negotiate. Expand on that. Well, basically, a lot of people think that writing an offer you're writing a, a set-in-stone contract, and, and nothing can be changed, and, you know, they get scared. Kind of like buyer's remorse or seller's remorse. But well, more, yeah, and, and how many times have you watched me do contracts with investors or buyers or sellers or whatever, and they're physically shaking just signing the offer? Right, right. Now, an offer is just an invitation to have a conversation. Um, Amen. You know, I, our mentor, Jay, um, I, I watch a lot of his training materials, and he sometimes will write an offer for $1. And I think it's crazy, but he's actually had successes with that. Yeah. I mean, because at the end of the day, you hear people saying, what's the best, what's the lowest best price you can offer this for? What's the lowest price you'll take? That's just dumb. Yeah. Don't yeah. do that when you're out there, the folks. I mean, you know, start, make an offer. Put it in writing. Be serious. Right. Put, put some earnest, put some money in an escrow account. Mm -hmm. Write up that letter of intent or whatever you're going to do. And that's the big difference here I want to point out is an offer is not a contract until both people agree to it. Both parties agree to it. So get out there, pull the trigger, make some offers. You'll learn real quick whether your offers are too high, too low, right? Yeah, and have conversations. Yeah, and what happens when I get my offer signed first go sometimes? You think you screwed up. Yep. Yeah. But other times, I think, you know, I just did one. I got a great deal for one of our clients on a, a, a property in St. Petersburg. I mean, screaming deal. And I was able to negotiate it successfully first time go. We got a, we got a, that was like a $15,000 reduction in price. We got the numbers looking good. It was a 14 or 15% return, cash on cash. Great deal. But I was able to get that one done pretty quickly. So I was pretty excited about that. But uh, yeah, offers definitely an invitation to negotiate. So when you guys are out there, now granted, do your homework. And more importantly, when you're writing those offers, do some homework, get evidence, something to back up your offer because you need to be able to sell it sometimes. If you're not in a position to get knee to knee with the person at the kitchen table and have a conversation with the seller, or if you're stuck working through a real estate agent or whatever, do some homework or have your agent do some homework if you're using an agent to back up your offer. Find some comps that make sense, something that's maybe tore up, 
use the income uh, cash flow analysis. That's what I use on multifamily properties. I do a, a, a cash flow analysis on it and I show it to the seller. And here's where I got it, my numbers. Here's where I need to be to be profitable. I'd like to make that work for you, but unfortunately I can't make that profitable at these numbers, but here's where I can make it profitable. So uh, what else have you learned? You got to be a pig. A pig. You got to be a big, fat pig. Now you're going to have to expand on that because you're about 100 pounds soaking wet, even though you're six foot tall. Professional information gatherer. There you go. Sales is the process of asking questions to achieve a mutually desired result. The more questions you ask, the more information you're going to get, and the closer you're going to get to the person's pain point. Understanding the person's pain point is the first step to creating a win-win situation for the person you're dealing with. There you go. I, you know, if I didn't know better, I think you read that right off a of script, but we don't use scripts. So that's, <laughs> that's pretty cool. I think I've drilled that into your head pretty well, haven't I? Yeah. So the reason why we do, we're doing this episode is we're going to talk about some stuff that's been coming up lately in the marketplace. And I want to bring it to your attention. It's about where not to find the money. Now, investors these days I'm seeing are, are the more, the, the hotter the market gets, at least in our local market, the hotter the market gets, scarcity mentality seems to kick in. Now, Christian, you're hearing me on the phone a lot talking to, to some of our investor clients and whatnot, and they're, they always are looking for the same thing. They, they want money, mm-hmm. you know, and, and money will fix everything for them. And if I just had the money, if I just had the money. So what happens sometimes is there's some of these, I will say, lackluster predatory lenders out there. And I'm not talking about Bank of America and institutional lenders. I'm talking about some of these shady people with a Gmail address that are out there. You see them posting on Facebook all the time. I've got, I will loan $10,000, $5,000 to $50 million, uh, 3% interest with no credit check. As long as you have an LLC, please send me all your information. Guys, mm-hmm. Christian, you're 18 years old. Does that work? Oh, no. Yeah, don't fall for that. Just don't fall for that. And I hear this a lot. If I just had a money partner, you know, if I, if I could just get the money to do the deal, that's where you're going to walk yourself, ladies and gentlemen, into these traps. And I just had, I've had a couple different scenarios come up this week. I had one poor gentleman that signed up for some guru program where they promised to lend money on his deals, 100% of the money, the, the purchase and the rehab. And he'll make a gazillion dollars flipping properties. All you got to do is give me a couple thousand dollars now and then a couple thousand dollars every month and off you go. Well, guess what? He ran into a wholesaler, found a property. Uh, never even went inside of it. Next thing you know, he's trying to lock himself up with about a quarter million dollars of the financing. Now that can be devastating to somebody that, you know, nobody's in a position unless you're Donald Trump to lose that kind of money all in one sitting or have that, that, that over your head. So you got to think about that. Now, Christian, we talk about knowledge, money, time, and credit. The four factors. You hear me talk about that a lot. Right. Now with that, those four things what those four elements are what you can use or what you need to properly structure a deal somebody needs to somebody in the equation needs to have the knowledge needs to have the experience and now what about money somebody obviously needs to have the money correct yep and a lot of people have the money yes they do and somebody needs to have the time to properly manage the investment as well and thirdly uh somebody has to have if you don't have, if it's not all, you know, a cash transaction, which you're going to be using leverage or something, you're going to need a credit partner, whether that be somebody signing on the line or you're going to need maybe some bank financing or something like that. But these are some of the elements that you're going to need to successfully put a deal together. Now, there's nothing to say that you have to have all of these. Here's a perfect example. 
Christian, you've got a great credit score. And you've got some money, but you're new to the business. So maybe leveraging Christian, leveraging his money and his credit, partnering up with somebody who has the knowledge to put the deal together and the time to put it together to manage the asset. In other words, he maybe hires a property manager. He finds somebody that he buys, let's say he buys a mobile home park and he finds somebody that lives there and he gives them either a discount or gives them free rent or something like that in exchange for managing the property by leveraging what he doesn't, what he does have matched with what he doesn't have. Uh, he can be successful in doing what he's doing. So, you know, a lot of people listening to this going, well, that's exactly what I'm talking about, Tyler. I need to find a money partner. I need to find a money partner. Well, the people that are saying that you have to, you have to look yourself in the mirror and saying, well, if you need a money partner, that tells me, am I to assume that you have all the knowledge and all the time as well? And most people shake their head. No, they don't. They may have the time. And also say, well, am I the type of person that a money partner would want to even partner up with? Well, yeah, that comes back to, well, knowledge or time you pick. It depends on the investor, but you're absolutely right. It's getting in there and, and nobody's going to loan money to somebody that's brand new or you're going to pay 3 million percent interest and, you know, you have to give them all the money up front so they can loan it back to you or something crazy like that. But realistically, if you're that hard up for the cash, that first, that's the first thing that's a red flag for me as an investor, somebody that invests in other people's deals, I'm not going to put my capital into that deal without some careful due diligence to make sure that, you know, how much knowledge do you have? Because if I have to put up all the money and I have to do all the babysitting and the work, then what's the point? Does that really make sense? Unless I want to be a passive investor, correct? Right. So getting into time, and, and this is something that we hear a lot is, you know, I don't have time to go find investors. Why? I just go to a hard money lender and the hard money lender will, will hook me up at 28%, but it's okay because I can get this thing flipped in 30 days. And Christian, now we've been through a lot of flips with different properties and, and whatnot. And how many of those have you ever seen get done in 30 days? 30 days turn into six months. Yeah, minimum six months. And then six months in some cases turns into a year and it goes on from there. Now, some of the scams that I want to talk about um, before we wrap this episode up is is paying a fee for access to money or lenders. This is another gimmick that I heard a couple, was it, we were in Orlando, Christian, when I got that phone call. It was one of the, the investors that comes to our cash flow events and that person, her a family member was about to pay, I believe the fee was $28,000 to get access to this other investor's money. So if I, if I, if they're kind enough to give them $28,000, they would have up to a $15 million line of credit. <laughs> yeah. Well, fortunately, uh, we were able to get to the, the victim before they became a victim and we were able to stop that process. And then schedule a time when we can sit down with them, point them in the direction of our podcast and some of our friends' podcasts that make sense. Maybe get them some sort of education or at least guide them in the right way where they can get some education and materials that aren't going to cost them $28,000 to learn the basics of real estate investing. Something that maybe some of the local seminars that make sense that cost a couple hundred bucks where they can start getting a foundational uh, education instead of paying this. So don't get caught. Don't get trapped into... And sometimes it can be as little as five hundred dollars. These, if you see these ads on Facebook, if it sounds too good to be true, folks, it is. It's absolutely too good to be true. So don't get caught in those traps. Don't pay money to borrow money. That concept, I mean, that was done back in the eighties, but 
it's really you should really shouldn't be the case anymore. A lot of it has to do with what you're going to invest in. If the invest, if it's a sound investment in the person there or the company that's going to invest in it, if the deal makes sense and it's a strong investment, then Christian, what are the chances that they're going to say yes? Oh, they're going to say yes. Absolutely. If it makes sense, if it makes sense. So that comes back to experience again is having the experience to structure deals or negotiate opportunities that will make sense for you. And that just comes with practice experience. Maybe think about taking on a coach or a mentor, bringing somebody in as to work as a principal in a transaction for you, then leverage their experience. They're also probably going to be able to find or maybe help you find or at least negotiate with some money partners to help make the deal a little more beneficial for all parties. Because, Christian, what do I say all the time about win-win or no deal? Oh, 100%. Yeah, win-win or no deal. If it's not win-win for everybody, we don't do the deal because we don't want to leave somebody burnt, feeling burnt or taking or, or taken advantage of. Right. At the same time, we don't want to be a victim either, so let's negotiate something that wins for everybody. How do we get there? Going back to what you said about being a pig, that's how we get there is finding their needs. And the same thing goes for investors. If you're, you, know, you want someone to put money into your deal, then you need to break out your pig ears and become a pig. Be a professional information gatherer. Get to the core of why are you looking to invest in, in a real estate asset? And folks, I'm here to tell you, it's not always about uh, making a big fat interest rate. Sometimes it's about avoiding tax or mitigating their tax liability. There's a million different reasons why somebody may invest in real estate, whether that's actively or passively. You're never going to know those answers, Christian, until you ask. Exactly. Until you ask the question. So guru hard money lenders, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Now, predatory lenders out there, you'll see this. There's some, there's some groups on Facebook. They post them all the time. Everybody likes to use the word scammer and blah, blah, blah. They're just there to nickel, dime you in death. Another thing, and I get this from Larry Harbold. Larry taught me this, and, and, and it's absolutely 100% accurate. Scared sellers. You're, you're there. You're negotiating with the seller. They're terrified. You're terrified. You just need to get a house so you can go back to the REA meeting and tell all your friends that you negotiated seller financing and you can impress impress everybody. Well, here's the deal. I've been, I've been guilty of that. Yeah, you have. <laughs> so the seller is terrified that you're not going to pay them. So the way they mitigate that risk in their mind is they boost the interest rates through the ceiling or make the terms unfavorable to motivate you to pay them off. But then you're excited to buy a property so you agree to it knowing full well or maybe not knowing full well that you are going to fail. Now, who gets burnt there? It's not just you. It's also the person, the seller, that was expecting you to perform. Mm -hmm. Not a good situation. It's not a win-win. So maybe you should be thinking about restructuring that opportunity where it makes sense. And that's also a great closing strategy when you're working with a seller and you're negotiating seller financing is, look, Mr. Jones, I want to negotiate something here that makes sense for both of us that will allow this to be a successful transaction. I don't want to be in a position to where I'm unable to perform because the, the deal is not profitable. I want to be able to refinance you out. Maybe if we discuss that you're going to hold a short-term financing arrangement, we're going to buy you out or, or refinance the deal after a certain period of time. In order to be able to do that, I need to structure this deal so it's attractive to the next lender. Does that make sense to you? And they may come back and say, no, that makes no sense at all. I'm only about me, 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 me. Well, then maybe you don't need to sign on for seller financing with that guy. How about right. that? Right, yeah. You know, how about backing away? Hey, I choose who you work with. 
Yeah, absolutely. You have to be able to choose who you work with and choose your deals. It's if you don't get the first one, you might get the second. And realistically, if you're not out there looking at a whole bunch of property, making a whole bunch of offers, if you will get the first offer you put in, you've never done a deal before and you have no guidance. If you've got no coach, nobody there helping you through the transaction, you're going to get stung. So take the time to be uh, prudent on the decisions you're making. So Kristen, you want to, before we wrap up here, is there anything you want to add to this uh, before we, we call it a day? Because we're going to get ourselves over to Chicago for PodFest here coming up. So anything you want to add? One thing I want to add is the importance of investing in yourself. You know, I spent two years just investing in myself, reading books, and, and doing a lot of self-education before I ever got involved in real estate, before I even knew Tyler was doing real estate. Um, it's, it's very important. Patience is a virtue. And coming into this business within your first year and thinking you're going to get your first investment property and it's going to make you a bunch of money is pretty unrealistic. (laughs) (laughs) And I, and I figured that out. I I had a lot of misconceptions about real estate, but when you invest in yourself, you're one step ahead of the curve of everybody else. There you go. Because a lot of the, a lot of people in this business just don't do that. Would you agree? I totally agree. I totally agree. Very well put. And folks, this is going to wrap up today's episode appreciate you guys taking the time of your day first to meet chris if you want to reach out to chris and uh, ask some questions if you're in his age group and you're just trying to figure out what it's like to get involved in real estate investing and you're scared just reach out to him so send him an email it's chris common spelling chris at cashflowguys.com as always if you want to book time with me or in this case chris because he's sitting right next to me in the office reach out to us via cashflowguys.com forward slash ask tyler cashflowguys.com forward slash ask Tyler. And if you want to join our private Facebook group where we teach new videos on there and whatnot, that's always absolutely free on our Facebook group. Go to cashflowguys.com forward slash group cashflowguys.com forward slash group. Thanks for joining us today and have a great day. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.